All right, if we can make our way on back, make our way on back. Come on now, y'all already know how y'all go. Listen, I'm used to being a sub, but y'all don't make me yell at y'all like Pastor do. Y'all go ahead and make y'all way back to y'all seats. Thank y'all very much. Pastor, if you are watching, your congregation does not care when there's a substitute in front of them. They are just like the middle schoolers I work with. They see a sub and say, we are doing whatever we want to do. And this is your fault. I blame you, Pastor, because they not. They don't care what the sub said. That's crazy. I'm going to have to get loud like I do in the class. Like, yep. Uh, and it's the minister. That's crazy. Look at y'all. Wow. Wow. It be your own. It be your own. Man, 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 man. Oh, man. So um, just to get us started, just to get us started, if we can come on back. Um, first and foremost, it is an absolute pleasure and a blessing um, to be before you guys today to minister um, and to give the word in the absence of our pastor. So can we give it up for the man and the woman that lead this house, the doctor, Pastor Kevin Swan, Lady Swan, in their absence. Um, just a blessing to be able to share this. And for those who have not been here and do not know where we are right now as a church, um, we are starting off our year with a new theme, and that theme is? All right, good. See, your class ain't that bad, P. All right, so once again, we're going to say this a little louder like it's a real thing. The theme of the year is? Exactly. And that should feel good for not this one, but, you know, more so this one. So we're going to make sure everybody's understanding. Now, I work in 116, and I'm normally with the kids on every Sunday. So I'm not in here, but as a good substitute teacher, like I am, I read the notes that y'all teacher left, and y'all had some homework. Yeah, uh-huh, some of y'all like, dang, y'all ain't think the substitute collects homework, he does. This one does. So if I'm not mistaken, he said that y'all were supposed to know Second Peter 1 and 3. Raise your hand if you actually know it. Can we get a screen? Can we get a camera on the congregation so he knows they didn't do it? I just want to make, wait a minute, hold on. It's more 116 hands than any hand. Hold on, wait, you, you know it? Son, son, you know it. You know it. Now listen, you can't embarrass me up here. You, you know it, know it, or you like, ah. Oh, see, so you scratching your head. Nah, you, Angel, you know it. Come on, Angel. Come on, Angel. Come on. That boy was about to get up here and say his. Uh. All right, now the same thing. Yeah, I trust you. You got. Okay. Second Peter chapter one verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge. Through our knowledge, yep, of Him. He, oh shoot, hold up. His divine, through our knowledge of him, who called on us by his own glory and goodness. Okay, there we go. Listen. Woo. Lord, she had me scared. Lord. Y'all give it up for Angel. Y'all give it up for Angel. Woo, listen, girl. I was about to get in trouble. Embarrassed because she hit that his own. I hear y'all cheating. Thank y'all. Thank y'all very much for cheating. She needed the help. Well, listen, eh? you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, but no, so that is the scripture. <laughs> that is the scripture context of what we are going with for the year, man. And and I, I listened to Pastor Sermons and I was here for one of them, and I'm I'm listening to him implore us to understand the power that we have like the legitimate power that we have. And I think a lot of times we underestimate that. But there is something very important that that scripture and that verse says. It is by the knowledge of him. Our knowledge of him. That's where the power comes from. And to be completely honest, today's generation, today's church, we have more of a knowledge of church than Christ. And that's a lot of times why we are in trouble. We know of, we don't know him. 
And a lot of any of y'all ever like people act like they know you, like, nah, you know of me. You don't really know me. Though. Watch how you talk. You don't, you don't know me. And wouldn't it be sad if Jesus looking like, mm, you know of me, you don't really know me. And if I'm not mistaken, the Bible says that there's certain people he's going to tell, I don't know you and you don't know me. And it is a insanely important thing that we get to know our Savior, not only to know him for who he is, but there is power in knowing him. And a lot of times when we make a mistake is thinking we know and his levels to knowing who he is. Right. So I want to give this this story to help our theme while I'm coming from Matthew 14. For those with the Bibles out, we are really talking about Second Peter, but I'm using Matthew 14 to do it. So we can go to Matthew 14, verse 22, and I'm going to be reading through 23, and we're going to be reading from the NLT version. Is that okay? New livings, new life, amen. All right. So Matthew 14, make sure I'm on the right thing. Matthew 14, verse 22 through 33, NLT version. And it reads, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Now pause right here. Immediately after this is the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus just fed 5,000 plus. And this is the instructions. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had arisen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, we'll go three to six because other versions say the fourth watch, which is really three o'clock to six o'clock in the morning. Around three to six o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, rightfully so, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost, not the holy one, but a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. That is the full passage of what we're reading, but I want to take note to specifically verse 28 and 29. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. I need you to look to your neighbor, as we do in the black church. You can pick whichever one. I know some of y'all lonely because you ain't got nobody to look at right now. Happens to everybody. Don't worry about it. It's not just you. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to declare something to them that we are going to be talking about today. Walk all over it. No, 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 no. I want you to tell them like I told y'all, and I want you to tell them like you mean it, because in all honesty, we do not know what the person you were talking to is going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what their water is. You don't know what their wave is. So real quick, on the count of three, we're going to say it like we mean it. Walk all over it. P, your class, your class is struggling, P. We're going to do this on the count of three. One, two, three. There you go. There we go. Y'all can take a seat, take a seat, take a seat, take a seat. 
So I, I said earlier, and I, I want to be clear of understanding how this really works, right? I said it before, there is a lack of knowledge when it comes to our Savior. There's a lack of actually knowing who he is and how it works. And if you read the Bible, you see over and over again, Jesus is trying to help his disciples to really understand who he is. Not just watch what he does, but understand who he is. See, sometimes we get caught up in what God does and not who he is. So then how we respond to him is literally based on what he does and not who he is. And if you know who someone is, you don't get caught so much on what they do because you know who they are. Case in point, every child in here knows who their parents are. And I talked about Ivy Angels earlier today. When them parents leave, them kids get active. Active. Because they know who they are. It don't matter what they did. They didn't drop them off with some strangers. Their response is based off of knowing who their parents are. And no matter how much fun they have in Ivy Angels and all of that, as soon as them parents come back, oh, I know you. Thank you for the goldfish. I'm out. Because their response is in who they know. And a lot of times, we don't really know them. And especially, I'm going to be completely honest because it's Youth and Young Adult Sunday, especially my generation. See, I'm a millennial. And for the record, we are not babies. I know we were at some point in your lives, but we are not babies. They're millennials with grown kids. But the millennial generation, like a lot of times, like we grew up having to go to church, right? We stayed there. We did our thing, and then we left. And a lot of my generation didn't know God. We didn't know him. We treated it like an arranged marriage. You know how they do in the other countries? The parent says, hey, listen, you going to marry him? He going to marry her? It is what it is. And they're like, well, I have no choice? Okay. Do I know him? Nope, but I'm marrying him. What type of person is? Who knows? <laughs> I'm marrying. Yes, I will submit. Yes, I will obey. And that's cool how other countries do it. That's not Jesus' thing. He does not want us coming to him because your mama told you to come. He does not want you considering your relationship is good and you married to Christ because it was arranged when you were nine. You're 32 now. That's not how it works. You need to know who you are in a relationship with. You have to know him. If you don't know him, you'll think you're good. And he will tell you, I don't know you. Christianity is not an arranged marriage. It is not something you just do because you was born and raised in it. I know what they tell us. That ain't the truth. You have to choose Christ. And he gives you the chance. If you want to leave, he lets you. It is about knowing who he is in this relationship, right? And a lot of times we based our knowledge of Christ off of tradition, things that have been hand down, songs we sing, and we struggle to actually know him. So it's, it's interesting in this part, and I want to jump right into it. In this story, if you see verse 22, right, it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back in the boat. He insisted. Does that not seem like Jesus made them get in the boat and get on the water? Correct? No, I just you can respond, correct? So there was an insisting that Jesus made sure they get on the water, right? Now, this is something we all struggle with. And I know it's not just y'all, so I'll pick on myself. I have had these moments in my life where I'm serving, 116, feeling good, feeling great. And then something happens in my life. And I go through a struggle and I go through a trial and I'm looking at God like, what are you doing? Has anybody else had a what are you doing God moment in their life? Legitimate, what are you doing? Because see, the problem with some of us is when we get put in the boat and we get sent on the water, we do not expect a storm to come if Jesus sent us. It's not expected. It's like, okay, God, you put me in this job. Why is well, why going like this? Lord, you gave me my rib, right? Why, why I got rib aches? What is going on here? What is the problem? Like, Lord, I done join your church and ministry. Why they, why they all mean? What are we doing? Like, I'm serving. Why am I going through this? I done sacrificed. I done gave. I'm the nice person. Why is she happy? I'm hurting. 
I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm in the boat that you put me in. What is happening? And the crazy thing is there are a lot of us in a boat sent by God, going where God told us to go. And according to verse 24, there are winds and waves beating against us. And it's like, hold up. Any of y'all ever, and this is the truth, and don't lie, any of y'all ever go through them wind and waves and like, okay, wait, God didn't send me this way. No, mm-mm, nah, this ain't, this is not where I'm supposed to be because wind and waves was not in the, he didn't say that. Because you would think in the picture perfect version of Jesus Christ that we have, if he put us in the boat, he's going to be like, some wind coming, there's some waves coming, get your life jacket out, it's a struggle. And Jesus is just like, hey, yo, I'll catch y'all later. Go on and get in the boat. Just go ahead. I see y'all there. Just get, get there. I'll meet you there. And because of the instruction, especially when we get a word from God, it just feels like, oh, bad. And you good. You got that honeymoon phase from the word of God. It's like I heard from you, Lord. Yes, I'm ready to serve. And then you get on the water and it's just like, wait, what is happening? And I feel for the disciples, but I want to tell y'all something that I believe they learned. And this is point number one. The storm comes even if you are where God wants you. And I need it to be understood. The storm comes even if you are where God wants you. And I've heard people so many times, as soon as something gets hard, oh, the Lord don't want this for me. Mm-mm. He don't want me in this relationship because they told you the truth about you. He don't want me at this job because they're actually making you work harder. And they know that you actually didn't have a death in the family. You just want to take a break. And as soon as we run into the waves, as soon as we run into the winds, it's an immediate response in our, in our hearts. It's just like, this can't be God. And the problem with a lot of us is we equate God giving us stuff and calling us to stuff and assigning us stuff with it being smooth. That's not God. We think it's supposed to be smooth. Mind you, he died on a cross, but we just skip over that part. We want the glory and the good stuff. And it can be Jesus calling you to go somewhere, but as soon as the wave and winds hit, it's like, no, that's too much. I got to stop. I can't do it. If you only knew, and I'm, I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit, if you only knew what the leaders of this church, the ministers of this church, go through despite their yes. The yes is hard. It is very hard to say, yes, Lord, I will serve. And then, oh, wait a minute. No, what Mike Tyson said, everybody got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everybody. And some of us, we get our calling from the Lord, our assignment for the Lord, and we like, yes, you want me to work with these kids, God. And then you get with the kids. Mm. I don't like kids. Nope, I'm good. Nope, I'm good. And it's just, it is crazy how we want it to just be smooth sailing, but that ain't our God. That's not Jesus. We serve the one who died. But we have so many points of reference in this book to tell us otherwise, but because we are so human and prideful, we think God serves us and not the other way around. We think God is supposed to make our plate, set our table, wipe our and just make sure I'm good, Father God. Wait on me hand and foot. Listen, Jesus came down, wiped the feet, and after that, it is our turn. We are the servants. We are the servants. God is the Father. And matter of fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to call some people out. Because as y'all know, I love working with these kids. Yeah, I love working with these kids. Take them to the gym. We go to basketball games. We go places, things of that nature, man. I'm, I'm there. I'm being that, that figure in their lives. Do y'all know these kids call me every Saturday for a ride to go to Sky Zone, the skating rink? Where they at? The mall, to their friend house. Hey, Unc, what you doing? Getting ready for my sermon. Okay, but what you doing? <laughs> I'm getting ready. I'm about to preach tomorrow. You think you could do me a favor? 
depends on the favor. Can you come get me and uh, take me and Jamari to the mall so we can go? Get? I'm like, wait, 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 where your mama? Can you just come get me? And I'm just like, wait, so you think because I do things for you that I serve you. I literally, and I love these kids, I promise you, but that little boy, I said, yo, who do you think I am? He said, an Uber driver. <laughs> I said, wow. Wow. And this was just yesterday because one of them got their head down because he was one of them. So mind you, I'm like, ain't no way. But that's how it is when you're a child. You think that when they do for you, their job is to do for you. And that's the behavior of children. And the Bible says we need to grow up. We need to become mature and understand that while, yes, Father God, you took care of me, there's a point in time that I got to serve you and take care of your house. There's way too many Christians in here waiting for God to do everything for them when you were supposed to be doing for him. You are no better than my seventh graders. God, ain't you the nurse? Ain't you the Uber driver? Ain't you my bodyguard? You supposed to fight every battle. Oh, you gave something to me too? But now I said, vengeance is yours. Oh, this ain't vengeance, this is just a regular battle, huh? So I got to fight? I don't want to. And that's how we do God. Because for every great thing he's done to us, it has flipped the script in our mind. But we know, because a lot of y'all have kids, it is childlike behavior. A lot of us are too old to be this childish spiritually. Childish. To think that when I don't get my way, I don't want to be here anymore. To think when you didn't do for me, I don't like you. You're not good to me no more. That is children behavior. But we do it in our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, our 60s. We do it. We are childish and God is like, you grown. You are grown. And it's crazy because sometimes we just, as, as ministers, we skip over the hard verses and we jump right to the easy, the soft stuff. I want to read something for you guys real quick. And I want to go to my bookmarks and make sure. See, Pastor told y'all last week the important thing to do when you're reading the word is to read multiple versions, right? To make sure you're really gaining an understanding. Not only that, but what I need you guys to understand, when it comes to the Gospels, for those who don't know, real quick, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books in the New Testament, those are accounts of history. This is not a fairy tale book. Tell your friends they tripping. This is an account of history, something that happened. So mind you, when we send our kids to study what did not happen with Christopher Columbus and how that was not the truth, but then we skip over this history and wonder why they celebrate Christopher Columbus Day. They're more glad about that than coming into the house of the Lord. That's our fault. Because we don't treat this book like it's a history book. So the Gospels are accounts of what happened. It's everyone telling the same story. Now, mind you, as an adult, and some of y'all done had y'all kids get in fights, and they beat each other up in the house, and you know how you got to address them, right? You go to one, I'm like, all right, all right, stop. Let me hear your story. Go ahead, tell me what happened. Okay, mm -mm. don't talk while they're talking. Tell me what happened. What'd I say? What'd I say? Say another word, I'm beating you now, he's going to play the game. Stop. What happened? And then you as an adult have to sit back and put the story together and understand all of the pieces. So this is the same thing that happens in the gospel because Matthew tells us one way, but then we go to the gospel of Mark which is Mark 6, 48. And mind you, it's the same story, so we don't got to, you know, overdo it. But I just want to read something real quick. Verse 48 and 49. Matthew, my bad. Yeah, Mark. So mind you, he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the winds and the waves. This is Jesus we're talking about. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, once again, three to six, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. This is the part that's crazy to me. This part right here. He intended to go past them. 
Jesus came walking towards them, walking towards, okay, because Jesus is on the way. He saw us struggling. He saw us going through the winds and the waves. Jesus came towards them walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But, saw when, but when they saw him on the water, they cried out. Do y'all realize the Bible tells us Jesus meant to keep going? He did not intend to stop. And if you need to, you can read other versions. I know some of y'all only believe the King James. It's in there too. It says he meant to pass them by. The Bible says Jesus was going to keep going. But it also says he saw they were struggling. He saw they were struggling with the winds and the waves, but he intended to go past them. Point number two, Jesus is not bothered by the storm. You are. Jesus is not bothered by the storm. You are. It's you who are bugging. It's you who are terrified. And isn't it crazy? And mind you, I'm not the only one, but I've been there. Where you are praying and you're praying and you're struggling and you're confused. And you're like, I'm not hearing nothing from God. What if he intended to walk right by? That's not the Jesus we're allowed to preach about. Because that's the Jesus that'll have people walk out like, well, what is he good for? Stay tuned, I'll tell you. But mind you, the Jesus we serve intended to walk by. Now, let me tell you about my favorite type of parents. My bad. Let me tell you about the parents that I'm not the fondest of. The parents that every time your child falls, you lay out on the floor to pick them up. Every boo-boo, every scratch, every struggle, everything. And some of y'all looking like, mm, that's me. And my favorite parent, I love these. That little baby hit the floor and they look, break it up. <laughs> and it's crazy how the child will look up like, I'm getting any attention down here? Nope. All right, well, let me get up. But when you look concerned and cry, the baby starts to be like, oh, no, I should cry, too, because your face told me I should be concerned. Jesus's face literally walked right by and said, you should have no worries. He wanted to go by them. And there's this thing in our youth. And I want to be honest. This is for the parents, really. There's this thing with our kids. It's called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is a disease that is killing our children because they have been saved so much that they don't think they can stand on their own. You have done so much for them that they can't help themselves. And then you get older and why that 23 year old is not helping himself because he had you the entire time. You know how many, don't feel bad that I'm saying it. You know how many times I've had conversations about people wanting me to talk to their 20-year-old something child about not getting themselves together and figuring it out. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, I got you. And then in five minutes of the conversation, realizing why they have not figured it out. Because when you brought them to talk to me, you did all the talking. You right. I see the problem. Because they can't help themselves because you've been doing it their entire lives. And mind you, we understand because once again, when you get that baby, it's just so precious. But we need to learn what the birds know. At a certain point, if you fly, you fly. If you don't, you'll learn later. But what we do is every little single thing, oh, boo-boo, come on. And mind you, it is exhausting to watch because I play around with the kids and there are times that boop, boop, ooh, and I'm looking like mm, he done fail his mama right there which type of mama do I have do I have the mama that what you do to my babe oh my god get up we gotta go he gonna stay in here with me mm -mm, no, no children's church or do we have the parents that's like he'll be fine don't worry about it. He good. As a matter of fact, he need to fall some more. Get tired. Jesus understands what some of us struggle to understand. God is a good father. A good, good father. 
We sing it all the time, but we rarely recognize it when he's actually being good because it feels bad. He is a good father. And he is the type of father that understands you can get up. And some of us are spending so much time crying and whining to God. And he's like, get up. Get up. What is the problem? But we've been trained that way. Yes, take all your cares to God, but if you look, some of them you can handle yourself. Some things are meant for us. We come together so much and pray for our kids and God, like, I left y'all there. Get up. Get up. You complaining about the church? I left you there. Get up. What is the problem? Get up. But you laying there looking for your daddy and your daddy is intending to walk by you. And you think that's a bad father. And he's a good father. But we don't feel that in the moment, which is why a lot of us want to walk away from the boat and walk away from God when it gets hard. And as a good father, and here's the difference, take offense if you want to, but here's the difference I've seen with fathers and mothers, except for some of them, because some of y'all ain't no joke. But the moms cater, nurture, that's your job. It's the way you were built. And then the fathers are like, boy, you better figure it out. You better come over here and learn. He's seven. Don't talk to him like that. Boy, get up. Because that's the father. We serve God the father. For the record, there is no mother God. I hope that is fully and well known. Maybe this is not the platform, but there is no mother God. I know they're going to come to y'all in the mall and talk to y'all about it. We are not getting salvation through a mother God. It's not a thing. We serve God the father. And he's a good, good father. And he knows how to be a father. He don't need your help. He knows how to be one. And he's going to make sure we go through some things. But the problem is mm, we don't like it because it hurts. And it's something that the disciples learned that we struggle to learn because when they were going through the situation, they saw, mind you, the Mark gospel saw Jesus intending to walk by. And here's, a matter of fact, I want to read this real quick because I want to make sure you guys understand. There are times Jesus got frustrated with the disciples, legitimately frustrated, right? Real quick, Matthew 17, Matthew 17, verse 14. And I'm going to read through this really quickly. Um, and this is Jesus dealing with the disciples and a demon um, possessed boy. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and sufferings terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Verse 17, Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people. Wait, what? I'm sorry, Jesus, hold up. I've been walking with you for some years now. I've been serving you. I done left my job. We've been out in this wilderness. We ain't got no good shoes. We barely eat. Everybody else hating on you. We be protecting you. And when we couldn't heal the boy, you called us, let me see, you faithless and corrupt people. And then he says, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. We don't understand that the point of Jesus being in our lives is to train us. The point of Jesus being with the disciples is to train them to get to a point where he can leave. To get to a point where Jesus don't got to do every little thing because there's other places he got to go. But we keep holding Jesus to doing the stuff that he assigned us to do. And see, this is what pastor is talking about, power to the people see we have the power to do these things that we keep begging God to do that we keep waiting in our homes for God to do God I just hope they get right well what are you doing God I need my kids to get right well what are you doing I gave you the power and Jesus is like how long do I got to be with y'all how long I got to put up with this you ever see them big kids still getting carried big 
big. And I'd be just like, come, he your size. Mom, put that grown man down. And his feet just right there near the floor, just swinging. In the stroller, just barely kicking. He's skipping every time, just boom, boom. And I'm just like, you know how we do. We talk about them. We sit at the line like, wow, we don't do that. Mm -mm. That baby better walk. But then when God does it to us, and he like, that baby better walk. And not just walk, walk all over it. Because see, some of us are struggling with things that we are not meant to struggle with. Some of y'all getting turned off of your destination that you are not meant to get turned off of. But you are used to daddy saving you every single time. I feel bad for you because it gets worse. So I want to go back. I want to go back to Matthew 14, where we were, the main point of the scripture. And I want to keep telling the story, right? Because mind you, as it says, Jesus intended to walk by them. He intended to go. Just did not plan to. And matter of fact, just to give you a side note, the gospel of Mark, Mark was a, a student of Peter. He studied under Peter. So he got his accounts from Peter. So the gospel of Mark really came from Peter. So if anybody knew Jesus planned on walking by, it was Peter. Because Peter was like, yep, where you going? I know you see her struggling. What you doing? And it's crazy because I want to go back to it. And this is where it's so crazy because when they saw him walking, and this is what some of us do when we really don't know the Lord, they thought it was a ghost. Said, so, oh, it's a ghost. I am afraid. I'm terrified. Some of us, when the hand of the Lord is really on us, it's actually scary because it don't look like what we thought it would look like. It don't feel like what we thought it would. It is scary. And here's Jesus saying, uh-uh, don't be scared. I'm here. It's me. Because once again, he's still a good father. So I want to read verse 28. And this is the most important part that we all need to understand. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. If it's really you, Father, tell me to come to you. Twelve disciples, one of them said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. And don't just tell me to come. Tell me to come walking on the water. Tell me to get to you through the struggle that I'm facing. Tell me to come to you through the heartache I'm dealing with. Tell me to come to you through the separation I'm dealing with, through the foreclosure I'm dealing with, through the eviction I'm dealing with, through the diagnosis I'm dealing with. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Peter understood that getting to Jesus required him to do what? Walk all over it. The very thing that had 12 afraid, Peter knew enough of who Jesus was to say, If that is you, if you are really God, the Father, if you are really the Savior, tell me to do what ain't nobody else doing but you. Tell me to do something godly. Tell me to do something God-like. Because what Peter understood is the good thing about being in relationship with him is not remaining human-like. It is being God-like. It is godly that we are supposed to be striving for. That is what we are trying to do. We are supposed to be the image of Christ. And Peter understood this. So then Jesus said, yes, come. No big deal. One, because you see who I am. You know it's me. Everybody else thought it was a ghost. And here's the thing I want to put out there to you. The other 11 people were not unbelievers. The other 11 in the boat weren't Pharisees. They were his followers. They sat with Jesus just as much as Peter did. They sat at Ivy, I mean, in front of Jesus just as much as Peter did. But only one knew enough of who he was to say, 
if that's you, tell me to walk on it. Because I know who, I just watched you feed 5,000 Chickasee. I watched you feed them. I watched. You just fed 5,000. There's no way I can't think you can do this. If you are who you say you are, God, let me walk. Let me walk. That's a bold statement. Because I want to put it out there. It makes perfect sense that the rest of them are scared. It makes sense that you are struggling in the things you are struggling with. It makes sense that it's hard to go through what you're going through. But here's the thing I want to tell you, and I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings, but I hope it wakes you up. What makes sense in the world does not make sense in the kingdom. It doesn't. And just because it makes sense in the world doesn't mean it's right in the kingdom. The right thing is to know who Jesus is. The human and the worldly thing to do is be scared that the boat about to flip. Because it makes sense that the boat about to flip. It makes sense. I'm sorry what you are going through, and I don't know who I'm talking to. It makes sense that you are scared. It makes sense that you are struggling. It makes sense that you don't know what's coming after you just got laid off. It makes sense that you don't want to come to church because you're upset with God. It makes sense that you feel lost that all your hard work is not working out. It makes sense that you've been serving all these years and now you got sick. It makes sense that you were upset. It makes perfect sense. But it don't make you walk on water. It makes sense, but it don't make you walk on water. And I need someone in this house to understand what makes their boat flip makes me walk on water. While you may be going through that diagnosis, I know for a fact I can walk all over that thing. See, that is the power we have. But we don't walk in that thing. We dealing with all these struggles and heartaches and Jesus is like, walk on it because you can. And don't just walk on it. Walk all over it. You have the power to do so. But we so helpless. Because we going through a struggle, it makes sense. But it don't make God smile. What makes God smile is seeing you walk all over your situation. Walking all over what you're going through. Because, see, that's our power. The rest of the world can't do it. That's why millionaires kill themselves. That's why billionaires are addicted to drugs. No matter how much they have what we want, we have what they need. They are struggling with the things that we are chasing, and we over here playing with the stuff they need. We have the power. They got paper. They got likes. And see, this is, if the adults don't get it, the kid's not going to get it. I'm trying to help them understand you don't got to chase her to make you feel good. You got power. You have real, legitimate power. The disciples in the Bible, they walked past people who were sick and they got up. They walked past them. Literally just said, and people got up like, whoa, what is, because you walked in? Because you walked in, I'm healed? That is the power we have. But how many people keep coming in here in the hospital, the hospital, and still leaving sick? Maybe because we're not using our power. And maybe we're not using our power because we don't know him. We don't know him. We don't know what we're fully capable of doing. And that is why the world looks the way it looks. But Jesus is like, hey, listen, you got to you got to get up. You got to get up. Now, here's the here's the crazy part. Right. And this is the part I can't lie. When I first read it, I struggled with it. So I want to read it for you. Verse 29 says, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Does it not make sense for Peter to be scared? He is walking on water. Now, mind you, and tell the truth, I am not the only one as a kid that went to the pool and tried to walk on the water. I know y'all guilty because we all do it. It's in our spirit. We didn't got out there, heard that story in the Bible, and we said, ooh. <laughs> and you're like, well, don't work for me. 
It may, and Peter was walking on it. And this ain't regular still pool water. This is wind, waves, storm. He was walking on his storm. I told you the thing that makes somebody else's boat flip. Peter was walking on that thing. That is the power we have. Peter knew Jesus. Matter of fact, just to remind you, because we're going to read the Bible today. Jesus, where we at? Because I want to make sure we know. Matthew 16, verse 15 through 19 says, and this is Jesus talking to the disciples. Then he asked them, but my bad, nope, I want to go up higher than that. No, no, no. I want to make sure y'all know the whole story. We're going to go to verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do other people say I am? Who your mama say I am? Who your friends say I am? Who does TikTok say that I am? What those viral reels say that I am? What that comedian in the movie say about me? Because they joke about us all the time. Nobody else but us. What your friends say about me? Who do they say that I am? Jesus asked the disciples this, and they respond, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. All great people. All great people. John the Baptist, Jesus said ain't going to be nobody better than him. So if you think you better than him, you failed. Jesus said ain't nobody better. Jeremiah, great man. No, we good. Elijah, great man. So it's people giving Jesus compliments, correct? I'm not making sure I'm not bugging y'all with me. These are people giving Jesus a compliment. He good. He's on time. God is good. And all the time, that's what they say about Jesus. I know people that are glad they sinners and they know that. They can say that right back with you. That's what they say. And then Jesus throws a loop because they would think that's a good answer. Jesus is like, hmm, okay. But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Okay, you tell me what the world is saying. You tell me what the world is talking about. Who do you say that I am? Ah, and here go my guy. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. The son of the living God. Anybody can give Jesus a compliment. And to remind you, the other 11 were followers. The other 11 went to church. They sat at the feet. We ain't been at the feet feet. We at the altar feet. We ain't at the feet feet. They sat at his feet and they complimented him. And Peter said, you are the Messiah. I know who you are. I know. See, that's why he was able to walk on the water because he knew who Jesus was. He knew. And here's the part that the church is missing. And I'm be honest, and this is just honestly how I feel. I got the mic. Sorry, P. We got way too many churches to be this week. We got way too many churches in Newport News to be this week, to be talking about the kids are doomed and all of this struggling and everybody's shooting and we going through all this nonsense. It's way too many churches. They had 12 disciples. We got 12 churches in the block. Just the block. If you don't like what I'm saying, go ahead and walk out. There's another one waiting for you. Right there. You can pick and choose all these churches and none of the power. Can I be honest? I know we're good at church. I know we're good at church. I know we serve. I know we worship. I know we cry. I know. We do a lot of good things. We do a lot of great community things. We do amazing stuff. But that makes us the other 11, doesn't it? Don't that make us the other 11? Yeah, we following. We doing some good. But that makes us James, John, the other Simon, Bartholomew. Do y'all know Bartholomew? That makes us them. Thomas. It makes us them. 
what makes us Peter is by knowing who he is outside of what everyone else says. What makes us Peter is being able to walk on the water that everybody else drowns in. What makes us Peter is being able to walk through a situation that everybody else is struggling and has to leave the church for. What makes us Peter is to be able to get diagnosed with cancer and still walk in the church and say, God, wherever you need me, I will serve. What makes us Peter is getting an eviction notice on your door and walking in the church and opening the doors of the church for somebody else. What makes us Peter is showing up despite the winds and the waves, answering the call no matter who gets on our nerves, going where God sent us no matter who's there that we don't like. That's what makes us Peter. That's what gives us the power to have a godly life. But too many of us are happy to be John. Too many happy to be James. And that's cool. We'll get you in heaven. He got the mansion. Cool. But anybody else want that power that he be talking about in that book? I'm talking about that real, no, no, don't clap the cute stuff. I'm talking about the real power that Jesus said we are allowed to have, the power that allows us to walk on what, matter of fact, let me read it for you because you think, Jesus replied, verse 17, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. You didn't learn this from your pastor. Because he's human, despite how y'all seem to forget sometimes. Sorry, got the mic. You didn't learn this from a human being who serves at Ivy, because they're human. So while, yes, we may be up here preaching and teaching y'all some things, doesn't the book make you feel like there are certain things that you're not going to learn from us? And you're only going to learn if you sit in and spend some time with... See, some of us think we are good because we sit here and there is levels to this thing. Levels. Too many people walking out here, I'm good with God. God knows my heart. You right? He knows. <laughs> you might want to talk to him about it. Because he didn't say some stuff about our hearts. We serve, I'm preaching to you right now. The Bible says my heart ain't right. With the mic, still not, not good enough. Filthy rags. Filthy. So there's stuff I can't give you. There's stuff P can't give you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, name change, which means rock, not Dwayne Johnson. And upon this rock, sorry, childish. And upon this rock, this rock, not The rock of John, James, Andrew, Thomas, followers, not that rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So that means there's only a church on a specific type of rock. Am I wrong? We show up for church, but is it the right church? And I don't mean the building because I love Ivy. So don't go tell P, he talking about y'all. Because we are the church. You are the church. You are the church. You are the church. You, 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 you. And if you're Peter, you're the rock that he built it on. There may be other churches in this room, but According to the numbers, what, one out of every 12 might be Peter on a good day. On his rock. And here's the part, because I know Peter walked on the water, but that's not really why we call this thing walk all over it. This is the part that's crazy. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm going to give you guys a, a Bible study thing. If you push the little squiggly little buttons at, your, at the top of that verse, you'll see where it says the gates of Hades. If you go to the King James Version, you'll see where it says the gates of hell. Anybody know what they use gates for? To keep people out, correct? The gates fortify 
their territory, correct? So if we're not mistaken, there is some territory that Satan has built in Newport News. There's some territory that Satan has built in these schools. There's some territory that Satan has built in these homes. But the Bible says that on that rock, the gates of hell will not prevail against that type of rock. So maybe if you want hell to leave your home, you might need to be that type of rock. That's the rock you need to be. Yes, it's cool to be John. Yes, it's cool to be James. We get in. But the stuff we are waiting for Jesus to do, the stuff that our pastor is telling us we have the power to do, is the stuff that the Peter type of rock can only do. The Peter type of rock. That is the rock we need to be. James is cool. John is cool. But is there anybody in the house that wants to be a Peter type of rock? Like a legitimate Peter type of rock? Because I just want us to learn a Peter type of rock. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, because this is the, listen, this is the type of power I want. It won't conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, I get to drive the bus. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That is kingdom power. That is the type of power that we think Jesus only has. Correct? That's the stuff that we go to Jesus for. Dear God, bind this on earth, please. Dear God, I need you, Lord. I need you to fix this. And Jesus is like, I gave you the power to do it. I gave you the power to fix that situation in your home. I gave you the power to fix that situation in these schools. And I told you that on that rock, the gates of hell don't stand a chance. It doesn't. But to finish this, I want to bring you back to the the point about Peter. And this is my third point. Sight can make you blind. Sight can make you blind. And I want to finish here, honestly, because what we've done, we've grown up seeing how things are supposed to happen. And then we have a God who says this is how it can happen, and we struggle with that. Peter made perfect sense to get on the water and struggle and want to go down and want to fall. Made perfect sense. But that's not how the kingdom works. We have the power to stand against the gates of hell. The gates of hell. Whatever territory is in your house that you feel like hell has a hold on, whatever child in your family you feel like Satan has a hold on, you have the, kings to, the keys to the kingdom if you're the right type of rock. You have the power to walk in and Satan back up like, I can't conquer that. Because that's the church Jesus built his rock on. I can't conquer that. I can't. And I just want to talk to someone who, because we pray about stuff that we should be able to walk all over. We struggle with situations that we should be able to walk all over. It makes sense that you are struggling. It makes sense that you are going through hard times. It makes sense that you're balancing out school and work and finances and bills. It makes sense. But that don't mean you can't come to church. That don't mean you can't serve. That don't mean you can't show up for God. That means that whatever you are dealing with, you have the power to do what? Walk all over it. Amen? We have to know that. You have the power to walk all over it. The, the, the gates of hell can't stand against us. But it looks like it can. Because we might be the wrong follower. We need to be Peter. If we can all stand real quick, if we can all stand, because I'm done. But I want to, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. But I want to, I really want to, I really want it to be understood. No motivational speech, no motivational speech. I want it to be fully understood that we have power. And me personally, I'm trying to see what that power looked like. 
I got people in my family that I need to walk by and they can be healed. I got some kids in the school that I need to show up and they are no longer dealing with that stuff they dealt with. I got some stuff in my own life that cannot conquer me no more because I ain't got time for it. I need that type of power that he's talking about. And I'm not the only one. And you don't need an intercessor to pray for you about that. You have the power. Go talk to him yourself. Go talk to him yourself. They will be here to pray when you need them. But you don't need them all the time. You can get on up. Amen? Amen. So listen, if there is somebody here today, and we don't do this as traditional as most churches, if there is somebody here today that doesn't know the person we're talking about, you don't know him like we know him. I beg you to do something about that. I beg you to get to know him. There will be people down here, down in the front after service that you can come talk to. I will be down here and I will gladly push anybody away that's saying good job to make sure you know who we're talking about. You have to know him to get in the door and to use that power down here. That power that we talk about in 2 Peter 1, 3. But we got to come to the knowledge of him. Amen. So I want to do something real quick. I want to pray, but I don't want anybody to leave real quick. Is that okay? Don't leave yet. I want to pray real quick just for the service. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you are. We know you, God. We know who you are, Jesus. We know what the rest of the world says, but we know who you are, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. And help us to learn what we don't know. Father God, reveal to us what we don't know. We want to get better at this thing, Lord. And if there are any hearts that need you, God. I pray that your spirit move those hearts, God, closer towards you. That they move, Lord. Tomorrow is not promised. But you are if we accept. Tomorrow's not promised. But everything after that is good if we have you, Father God. Help us in our storms. Help us in our wind. Help us in our waves. We love you, Father God. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, real quick, real quick. Real quick, I want to bring somebody up, and this is kind of dope that I get to do this. Keith, I know you're here. Well, Marquise, Mr. Godwin, is Keith in here? He went out there with his son, didn't he? Lord, we, we ain't have Ivy Angels for him. Is Keith here? Yeah, y'all text Keith and tell him to run in here. Kel, call your brother. Call your brother. Because we got somebody. Yeah, there he go. There we go. Come on in here, man. He being a good, good father right now. Shout out to Keith, y'all. Come on up here real quick, my boy. Come on, come on, man. Come on, come on, come on. Because I've been instructed to pray for this, man. This guy right here, as you see him being a good father, man, he is blessed with the opportunity to go provide for his boy and his family, man. You good? Good to see you, man. He is blessed with something I see a lot of people struggle to get. He is going to Mexico to play professional basketball, y'all. <laughs> professional. It boy a pro, man. So normally P gets to do this, and it was weird when he texts me because I was like, oh, you want me to pray for somebody? Okay, cool. I can't lie. It's weird to pray for people you don't know. I just be like, all right, let's cover the basics. I know this guy. I've been following his journey since he was in eighth grade, I think. I've watched him overcome struggles, setbacks, disappointment, hate, disrespect, politics, all of it. This man had a son, as you see right here. And it, that's cute. That was perfect timing. He knew to do that. Y'all worked on it. And he knew it was cute. Y'all see, he knew. Oh, you different. He's smiling. Told y'all they know what they're doing. But I want us to pray for him because he is going away from his family to provide for his family. That is not an easy thing to do. Don't show out now. Come on, man. I was just talking good about you. He's going away to provide. So if we can stretch our hands, we want to pray for him to keep him safe, to make sure he is good, to make sure he is covered, because he is of this house. Father God, first and foremost, once again, we thank you again for who you are. We just thank you for everything you are doing in Keith's life, God. We ask especially that you cover him, Lord. 
One, keep his family safe while he is away. Keep them covered with things that they didn't even know could cover them, God. Keep them safe. Keep his son safe. Keep the right people in his son's life, God, that nobody is trying to raise his son in a way that his father is not pleased with, God. Be with them, God. And keep Keith safe while he is down there, God. While he is playing a game, while he is doing his career, God, he needs your protection. He needs your covering, God. We don't know what's down there waiting for him unless you go, Father God. So we pray that you are there before him, God. Keep him safe. Keep him covered. Keep him injury-free, Father God. But most of all, keep him in your will and allow him to represent you in front of a country that may not know you, God. I pray that he represents you right, represent his family right, and you bring him back to us safely, Father God. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Listen, y'all be blessed. You know it. Y'all be blessed. Congregational care, H2K, if you can make your way over here in this area. Everybody else, y'all have a blessed day. We out.